Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. I'm so glad to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where it's about your empowerment with knowledge so you can save more and spend less. And don't let anyone ever rip you off. And our web address, Clark.com. But if you're really into deals, check out Clark Deals. Let me tell you the deal later. It's time for Clark Stinks Later, where you get to share where you feel I have failed you, let you down, missed the mark, misled, whatever it is, you had to hear Clark Stinks later. So this could be a Clark Stinks. When I go to CES each year, the world's largest trade show, the formerly known as Consumer Electronics Show, I, in the last few years, have shown with great enthusiasm all these gadgets you can have in your home that all connect through your Wi-Fi network and allow you to access information on your smartphone and all the rest. And my wife is like many other people in that she's like, I don't want that camera in our house. I don't want that device here. How do you know nobody's listening? How do you know nobody's watching? And the answer is... Well, she's not wrong. In fact, she may be right. A lot of the smart home gadgets, particularly cameras, are things that have been so many cases where hackers have been able to hack in because of the lack of us putting good security on these things and the rest. So, at my wife's urging... We only have cameras pointing out. We only have outside cameras. We have no inside cameras. Somebody wants to hack into our outside cameras? Go for it. We do have, you may remember that we did a test in our family of Amazon's Echo devices and Google's Home devices. And I used my family as kind of like a focus group. We had them side by side And my family ended up gravitating to the Google Home. So now we have a lot of Google Home devices in our house. And we're relying on Google to run proper security on those. But you also have the issue that Google knows everything that's going on, just like Amazon, if you have the Echo devices, they know everything that's going on. The... Amazon device. I ended up giving one of those to you, didn't I, Joel? Or did you ask for one? No, I, well, I was going to trade you. I have a Google one, and I know you use Google, so we need to we need to swap because I, I use I, the Amazon in I my house. I thought I gave the Amazon to somebody, but does it freak you out at all with security uh, and uh, having young kids and having? It does a little bit. It freaks me out on on two fronts. It freaks me out first that my kids will ask Alexa things just randomly. <laughs> like I, I don't think they should be talking to an artificial intelligent computer like that. Uh, but it really also it does freak me out when we don't even say Alexa and randomly you'll hear her don't talk. Don't say that word. Don't say that word. Oh, sorry. Yeah, but it freaks me out when 
when you actually are just you having set off a conversation. Somebody's device they're gonna be really mad. I know you. they are. They can they can send their hate mail to to my email address. But uh, but we're just having a conversation at the dinner table and randomly she thinks we said her name, but we didn't, and she starts chiming into the conversation. It's super weird. So we have in our kitchen one of the Lenovo devices, and the Lenovo's. Uh, different manufacturers of hardware can run on different systems. That one happens to run on Google's system. And so with it, we can make video calls. I can ask it questions. I can ask, see my schedule. I'll ask it, you know, what's the weather forecast going to be for every Habitat build day coming up because I'm always paranoid it's going to have bad weather when we're trying to build Habitat, whatever it is. But then we settle disagreements about when something happened or who sang something or whatever. But the video aspect of it is great. And we have, because we're tied into Google with Google Photos, it does a continual uh, photo show for us of our lives and, you know, get to see things and remember. And so it's really fun for us, but at the same time, kind of chilling because think how much Google knows. I mean, a lot. And so with any of these devices, take a moment and think through how much of your life do you want to try to allow to be vulnerable or exposed or whatever? And I think that my wife's always right. The issue of the cameras in the home are something that is unsettling. You know, there was a lot of fuss about a hacker who broke into a child's a camera watching a child and was speaking to a child over the speaker on that camera. That is really chilling, isn't it? Suzanne's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Suzanne. Hi, Clark. How's it going for you? Oh, I am great, and it is so wonderful to talk to you. Well, you're kind to say that. Thank you. I'm calling for uh, a question regarding insurance and negotiating with hospitals. My husband had a cardiac procedure in December. He's doing very well. I'm very thankful for that. Oh, I'm so glad. Yeah. And our insurance covered about 90%. Uh, We received a bill for $7,000. And I am wondering... Wait, wait, wait. It was $70,000 for the procedure at the negotiated price? No, at at what our insurance covered. Okay. Yeah. A lot of money. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. So we received a bill for $7,000 from the hospital. We have not gotten the doctor bill or the anesthesia bill yet, so I'm kind of concerned about that. But um, we were wondering, should we try to negotiate with the hospital to lower that versus setting up a payment uh, schedule? So what I would do is uh, you don't have the money. You don't have $7,000 to pay them, right? Right. Um, I would call the um, billing department and say that you don't have this kind of money. You'd like to see if you could negotiate a lower uh, balance bill for you. Okay. And depending on the hospital and how it operates, they will have the ability to negotiate at the billing department or they are really just bill collectors and they'll only want to talk to you about the second option you asked, which is a payment plan. If a hospital does not give the people at the billing department such authority, almost all major hospitals have a uh, patient advocate office or a, a hospital social worker. 
and you can go either meet with or talk with better in person with either the patient advocate or the hospital social worker and see what you can negotiate. It's a good idea also in advance to see if the hospital is a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. Hospitals that are nonprofit are receiving a huge tax break. And in return for receiving that tax break, they are supposed to do some amount of what is called in the lingo of the medical trade, uncompensated care. And so they've already been fully paid the portion insurance pays. So it's not like they'd be getting nothing at all. You're just trying to negotiate a more reasonable amount than the 7000 for your part. Okay, great. I do I do believe this hospital is nonprofit. I actually used to work there. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, but um, yeah, okay. So I didn't I forgot about the patient advocate and I do know that the majority of hospitals do have either an ombudsman or a patient advocate. So that's wonderful. Well, we'll try that. I think that's great. And then you have the joy coming from the cardiologist for a balance bill and the others as well. Yes. Yes, we do. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so you, with any of these professionals, you can attempt to negotiate, and then it's up to them if they wish to negotiate. Yeah, very, yeah, very, very good. But the most um, important thing you said was up front, and that's that he's doing really well. Yes, and that is a blessing. Oh, thank you so much for your advice. We will definitely take it. All right, and best to you and to him. Anna's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Anna. Hello. How's it going? Great. How are you today, Clark? Wonderful. So you started a new job. You like it? I do. It's it's been a really great job so far, and it comes with some really nice perks. Um, one of the perks is that I get a company vehicle. And so I have a vehicle, personally, that's about two years old. I bought it new. And when I bought it, I, got, um, I put down a large down payment that I got a loan because I never had a loan before. So I thought, well, I want to establish some loan history so that when I one day want to buy a house, hopefully I'll be able to get a lower interest rate. So now my question is, when I get my company vehicle, I'm going to sell my personal one. What should I do with the money that I make after I pay off my loan? Should I just put it in savings to buy a vehicle down the road if needed? Should I invest it and so that hopefully it would grow? Like, what, what should I do? Wow. So you actually have good options here, and the good options all started because you did a big down payment when you bought the vehicle. Right. Because if you hadn't, you'd be in two years into a vehicle, you'd be upside down in it, owing more than what it's worth. So you set yourself up in a good position. So uh, let's talk about a couple of things. So do you have no credit cards? No, I do. I do. Oh, so you actually already have established credit you have this car loan you have the credit cards do you happen to know what your credit score is these days it's like 770 fantastic so you're you are uh close to what's called gold standard for credit you're in great shape so when i'm only in my 20s so i feel like for someone who just doesn't have a long credit history i'm doing okay (laughs) so your goal to buy a house how far away is that um, well, it depends on how the job goes. I mean, it could be a year or two, but it also could be five. You know? Okay, so if it's if it's less than five years, the money you clear from selling the used car, just put it in an online savings account. 
Okay. You're going to earn. You have a higher interest rate. You'll earn like two and two and a quarter percent, somewhere right in there. And put the money, stash it in there, add to it as you can so that you start building up a decent amount of down payment money. Okay. And at your job, this new employer, do they offer a 401k to you? Yes, sir. And do they offer a match on that? Yes, sir, they do. Very important that you contribute to that so that as you are in the process of building up money for a house down payment, that you're also starting the process in your 20s of saving money for retirement. And then they're helping you do it with the match. So sounds like you've got a great financial future in front of you. Well, I appreciate your insight on what to do, you know, with this extra extra money. I mean, I wanted to use it wisely, but, you know, also I didn't want to just stick it somewhere where it wouldn't grow at all. Right. Makes perfect sense. And I think that's great. You're doing things methodically. And the best thing of all you said was the first thing you said, the big down payment you put on the car you bought is what's made all this good stuff happen from here. First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate Cubist versions of your family's holiday photos, but it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia, identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks, and automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. Luke is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Luke. Hey, Clark. Super cool to be talking with you today. And I had a question about something you said on a segment of a recent podcast episode. Um, You had mentioned that today somebody may be able to build an energy-efficient house for near or at the same price that you could build a traditional house. And I'm looking to buy um, or maybe build in the next six months or so. And, um, you know, up till this point, I was pretty set that, well, I'll just, you know, it's probably a little bit easier to go ahead and uh, buy. But if I could find something that was super energy efficient, um, that I could, you know, talk to my builder about um, implementing into the house that I'm building for close to the same price as a traditional home, then that might go ahead and push me closer to um, building instead of buying. So I was going to ask where you got that, that information from. Well, I have it from uh, actually being involved for years as a volunteer with Habitat for Humanity. And mm-hmm. one of the Habitat affiliates that I sponsor homes with entered a uh, arrangement with a, um energy nonprofit that came in and went through every phase of how they build the Habitat homes and redesigned for Habitat every phase, major phase of construction, and they were able to take the utility bills that a new Habitat homeowner had and cut them to not zero, but extremely low, even in the hottest of summer and coldest of winter, just by making small changes in how construction is done and less than 1% additional cost in building a home. I mean, it's fantastic how little money it takes just doing building techniques differently. And there are 
dozens of organizations and many websites that devote a lot of uh, energy and time into figuring this out and then publishing the information. Like if you just Google near net zero home as Mm -hmm. a term or net zero, which actually does cost more to build truly net zero. But if you do near net zero homes and you read the, the things that are involved, like in the framing process and then when the windows are installed and when the when the trusses are put on, the steps that are needed, it it's really you you read this stuff and you're like, this really doesn't cost anything. It just requires rethinking the way we've done things. Right, and that's exactly the direction I'd like to go. Um, I was reading on a website. There's also um, net zero ready homes where you can build them to spec to eventually add additionally energy efficient components like maybe some solar roofing or, or whatever and um, you know something that the producer Joel says on his podcast how to money a lot is uh, you know work smarter not harder right and so if exactly. I can build something at this point in time for a little maybe a little bit more but it's going to save me a lot of money down the road then that's what i want to go towards and and i think this is great that you're thinking this way but you have to find a builder who thinks this way as well because uh it's it's a tradition-bound industry and it's hard to get people to think this way but if you can find somebody who does you'll be happy and they'll be happy apple card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card you earn up to three percent daily cash on every purchase every day That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. I'm glad to welcome you here to the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you learning ways to save more and spend less. And don't let anyone ever rip you off. But you know, there are times you feel ripped off by me, that I gave advice that didn't ring true, that you felt was wrong, or just misguided, or that I was thick-headed. And that's why I want you to know, this is a show where we all help each other. And I want you to help me by going to Clark.com and go to Clark Stinks when you feel that I have let you down. You post what you're upset with me about, others get to read it, others get to comment on it, and then weekly, our producer Krista goes through your posts on Clark Stinks and shares highlights with you right here, right now. I should have never encouraged you to speak. You must think I'm pretty stupid. You should be ashamed of yourself. Well, maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're right, pal. Clark. By the way, a couple of tax tax uh, Clark stinks to start out here. Just heard you say the tax cut primarily benefited the rich corporations. That is bull. I am very far from rich and I'm getting and have gotten over $2,000 more this year and I haven't even looked at how much my wife got. Please stop spreading things that are not true. I'm so very saddened and disappointed. Sincerely, Charles. And another one 
Clark, the fact that you make this forum available and do this segment on your show is proof that you most definitely do not stink. That said, you have misled some folks about the pass-through tax deduction. You are correct that certain business activities, such as practicing medicine, law, consulting, and others, are considered specialized services and are subject to certain limitations, including potentially no deduction at all. However, anyone with income less than 315000 for those filing jointly or one fifty seven five for those filing individually are allowed the full deduction, regardless of business activity type. Above those amounts, there is a phase-out of the deduction, which eventually leads to no allowable deduction if you make more than 415000 jointly or two hundred seven five individually. Thanks for everything you do, Clark. Dave. I want to thank you both for what you've said. And to the first poster on the issue of the refund you got, the tax changes for individuals worked out to be a mixed bag. There are many millions of Americans that are now paying higher taxes than they were paying before under the new law, others paying less. And overall, for individuals, the new tax law is mostly a wash because the purpose of the law was to generate more productivity in the American workforce, because ultimately, if you're going to raise living standards in any country, you have to raise how much each of us can generate in activity in the workplace in order to increase the quality of people's lives. So the whole tilt of it was towards reducing taxes on businesses to give them an incentive to invest more in new technology, new equipment, new facilities, so that they could actually produce more stuff for the same amount of labor. That's why the law was passed, and we'll see with time if it does that. But the purpose of the law and the overwhelming tilt of it was specifically for tax cuts for businesses, not for us as individuals. Clark, I've been on the Google Flights bandwagon for quite some time, but noticed a handful of flaws while using it the last couple of years. One, it isn't 100% accurate. I was booking a trip and decided to click one of the higher prices of $349. However, after I clicked on it, I saw a new lower price of $310, which was now offered as I select a return flight. There's two, their system isn't, doesn't always send you the latest changes. I've checked my saved trackings on Google Flights to see the price drop, yet did not receive an email notification until a day later. At that time, the price is sometimes no longer valid. This is definitely not a one-time occurrence. It's happened several times. I love what you do, Clark, and don't think you stink, but please let people know of these flaws. Sometimes a good old-fashioned check again and again works the best. Aaron, P.S., we would love to have you visit Lincoln to catch a Husker football game. I have been to Lincoln, and uh, we're talking about Lincoln, Nebraska, and what a great place to visit. Had a wonderful time there, and maybe I can get back to Nebraska and combine it with a trip to the only of the 50 states I'm missing, North Dakota, as places that I have visited. So with searches for airfare, your advice is actually the superior advice that if you are looking for the best deal and you know you're going to a specific place at a, either a general date range or a specific date range, the more manually you'll check for that, the better you're going to do than any automated system 
including that from Google or a lot of people like using the kayak search feature. Uh, remember, though, Southwest, none of its fares appear on these systems. But the more obsessive you are about continually checking, the better a deal you're going to get. Clark, I heard you talk about LuLaRoe being a potential pyramid, and now I'm confused. You've always said that the way to determine if something is a pyramid versus multi-level is if the focus is on recruiting other people rather than selling a product or service. I have a friend that sells LuLaRoe, and she never pushes people to sell it. Her focus has always been on selling clothes. I asked her about the lawsuit, and she said it's a problem with a designer that was working to sabotage the company and start his own. I don't know what the whole story is, but my bigger question is, how can a person really distinguish between MLMs and pyramids? Great question. This is one that has been ultra-controversial, and it's up to the courts to decide if something is, in fact, tilting towards an illegal pyramid versus a multi-level. The problem with LuLaRoe has been that the people who get involved selling have to buy so much inventory that supposedly they're able to sell back to the company if it doesn't work out for them. And all you have to do is go look on eBay and you see that people have not been able to successfully sell inventory back to the company and are dumping it on eBay trying to recover some of their costs. So I can't even say the name of it right. So how can I determine by myself whether or not it is an illegal pyramid, a game of chance, or a true multi-level, but the charges have been alleged and the complaints are so many. Horrible advice to caller who had $34,000 in debt. Clark, you stink something fierce on this one, and I mean you royally stink. The first, I can smell it. The first response after you asked what he could pay off per month should have been audible laughing. Nobody who makes over $200,000 per year should take anywhere near two years to pay off the debt of $34,000. I'm surprised you didn't ask how he's going to cut down his lifestyle or what he's doing to sacrifice in order to pay it off in six months or less. I myself would have recommended getting his budget and doing zero vacations and only living on what is absolutely needed. Otherwise, his spending issues will just continue to keep coming back. Usually you give fantastic advice, but just going along and allowing his response to be $1,500 a month when he brings home 10000 just made me cringe so hard I needed to make a post. You could have been even you could have even recommended he Google how to pay off debt quickly or anything, just not allowing the two-year plan. I expected better, but I will continue to listen to you for all your other useful advice. So let me explain that because I remember the call thoroughly. And here's the story. So if somebody's been living where they're living on more than what they make and having a really nice income, and they are now at a point where they're like, hey, this isn't working. I got to stop carrying all this debt. I've got to be careful how I get them to change their psychology and their habits. So by breaking it down into them paying $1,500 a month, meaning that they're living on 85% of their pay every month instead of where currently they've been living on more than what they make. It's about changing habits, changing behavior, and you don't do it all at once. You have to build new positive habits. And my belief is that if he sticks to it 
and learns to live on less than what he makes because he's paying off that debt, then he's created a new way of thinking about money once he has paid off in that two-year period all of that debt. And then hopefully going forward, that he will have the money that he's able to save every month in retirement accounts or rainy day accounts or whatever from that point forward. I have to remember, and I would encourage you to think about the psychology of somebody who, even though they make a lot of money, has been spending that plus more, that my first goal is to get them to think differently and learn to live on less. Whoa, Clark, it's time to wash up and review the wash sale rule while you're at it. Regarding the caller who was looking to sell stocks to pay off a mortgage, after you acknowledged that he would have to pay taxes on his capital gains, you then told him he couldn't repurchase those shares for at least 30 days. That would be true for a capital loss, but if he has gains, he can repurchase the shares the same day, essentially a step-up in basis. I'm sure that you know this, and it was just no mission during the call. Thank you for all you do for your listeners, Brian. Brian, thank you. So the reason I throw out the wash rule is that a lot of times if people are selling a variety of holdings, some will have nice gains, others may have losses. So having somebody stand down for 31 days just eliminates the possibility that they'll make an oops and they'll buy something, start buying something back and end up violating the wash rule. It's a pretty technical area, but I just kind of hit it with a, a big fly swatter that you just wait the 30 days before you start buying again, just so that you know you're not going to have any problems with the tax man or woman or person, whatever you prefer. And I want to hear from you. If there's something you feel that I'm just not getting, please go to Clark.com, go to Clark Stinks, and let me have it. Wesley's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Wesley. Hey, Clark. How you doing? Great. Thank you, Wesley. You've had a tough time financially, and tell me where you are. What's going on? I had a retirement plan, I mean, as little as it was, back probably 10 years ago. And, of course, I took all, I cashed all that out to invest into a business, which didn't turn out very well. So now I'm here at 48 years old and no retirement, but I'm you know, going to get some unfounded money coming in, and I'm just want your advice on what to do with that to get that money to work as hard as I can for me and at this point not invest it to the wrong people that they're going to steal from me. Sure, sure. (laughs) So um, first, even though you had such a lousy experience before, don't assume that that people you're going to turn to are also going to be a problem. And I've got some good guidelines for you. So right. How much do you earn per year now? Fifty-three. Okay, that's pretty specific. So I, I went. I went back into the trucking business. I, I drove trucks for ten years, and they've always got really good benefits. They got really good retirement plans, and and it makes decent money. So that's where I'm at now. And hopefully, you know, I can invest all I can in the retirement for them. And do you do long distance over the road, or? I did back in the day, but now I'm local. I'm oh. overnight. Oh, that yeah. that the quality of life improvement when you go from yeah, over the road to local. Yeah. It's night and day you difference, a, isn't it? You lose a lot of money, but it, 
it's worth it because you make a lot more money on the road than you do at local. But, you know, the home time is so much better. No kidding. And and the burnout so much lower. (laughs) Yes. So you said you have retirement benefits with the trucking company you're working for now. How do those work? Do you have to contribute a portion of your pay to that or do they fund Um, it fully themselves? I think they match up to six percent. And so, are you putting put, in that six? I will be, yes. All right. So, believe it or not, that is the easiest, best place for you to put money in. And you definitely want to do up to the six. But if you can, over time, steadily raise that amount, that's where you're going to start uh, building up a nest egg. I mean, you can do more than that. You can also do a Roth IRA, which I love those, which is a tax-free savings account or investment account for retirement. That's what's so great about it is you can put in from nothing in a year up to $6,000 in a year, depending on how your year is going. Okay. But it's okay. better and, then- and easier so you know it just gets done and it's automatically done for you to start at that 6% that gets you the match from the company you work for, and then I want you to put on a calendar, uh, whether you keep a paper one or you use one of those um, automated ones on your phone like Google Calendar or something, that every six months you step up what you're contributing to that employer plan by another 1%. Okay, and, and now the money I'm, I'm going to get in, like $50,000, I, I don't want that money to just sit in my banking account and do nothing. My savings account do not. Oh, that money. So that's why you fund that, a Roth IRA. So are you going to get that money that before your taxes are, that you're going to do your taxes for last year? Probably afterwards. All right. Because it would be, it would even be to your advantage to delay filing your income tax. So you could take 12000 of that money and put it right away into a Roth IRA. You'd be able to put 6000 for last year. And six thousand for this year, bam! Oh, okay. Right away. Yeah, that'd be good. And okay. if you're okay. married, you could take. You said there's fifty grand. You could take another yes. twelve grand if you do that, and put it in for your wife. Six for last okay. year, six for this year, just by delaying your tax filing till you have that money. Okay. Who do you recommend? Big three of discount investing, either Vanguard or Schwab or Fidelity. Okay, I, I think. See, they, the last company I worked for actually did that, and I have $2,000 in their retirement now, which I don't even know how to get that money or what to do with it. Um, so my best bet is just to call them and just keep, and add to that money. No. I just, no, they're not going to okay. let you add to what they have, but you can take that and you can put that money, if it's like a 401k or something like that, you can move it to your new employer's plan, and then you don't have to worry about having this other plan that you had with the other place, you can just put it in the new employer's 401k and they'll help you with the paperwork to move that. Don't accept a check from the old place because there's all kinds of funny business and what happens with your money when you take a check and the IRS messes with you too. Best of luck to you building that money moving forward. Oh, oh, you know, I forgot. The other 26 you'll have You'll be able next year to add another six grand each into a Roth pretty quickly, soak up all 50,000 of that and get it into tax free accounts 
that you build for the future. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.